Good morning, everybody. My name is Mona Steven. I'm the lead pastor of, uh, of Living Hope Church. Thank you for joining us online and also here in person. Um, we are continuing our series uh, called Call to be Free, part four. And let me just open it up in prayer this morning as we see our beautiful children and our little babies go into the nursery and children's church. We just praise the Lord for that generation. Amen. Praise Lord for the young generation that is here today and the older generation and the ancient of ancients. So uh, praise God for all, all of the different generations. God is good, isn't he? He keeps us, he sustains us, and that is the fact. That's why we're all here today. Um, but let me, let, me, uh, start. let me just start and um, asking the Holy Spirit to come and just move this morning. Amen. Are you in accordance that you want God to move upon your heart? The Bible says that where two or three are gathered, he can do that. He can, get, he can do it even though we are alone, by the way, because wherever I go, he goes with me. But today we are corporately celebrating coming together as a body of Christ to hear his word. There is something about that, beloved, that you can't do all alone at home or watching through TV. So, hey, I'm glad you joined online, but I hope you find a good place to go to because there is nothing like coming together on Sunday morning to worship the King of Kings and to hear him as a body of believers. Amen. So let's just bow our heads and just ask the Holy Spirit to come today. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I thank you, God, for this awesome privilege one more time this morning to come up and just share your word. God, your word is beautiful. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. It goes and it pierces. It does what it needs to do. God, it exposes things that are not conformed to your image. It exposes things that would cause us to lose grounds. You are so faithful, Holy Spirit, to keep us. You guide, you direct, oh, you, you, you sustain us, you, you transform us, and today we need you. We acknowledge our need of you. I acknowledge my weakness this morning. I acknowledge that without you, I can't get through this message. So I'm asking you, Lord, more of you and less of me today. God, we ask that you would be raised up in the midst of our congregation, that we would sense your presence and that breakthrough would come. We sang it, we need a miracle, God. We need a miracle of breakthrough, healing, God, just restoration. We need a greater understanding, a greater ability to know and apply your word. We just need you all around. Oh, God, come. Come today. I ask this in your mighty name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Galatians 5.13, we, we started off, you, my brothers and sisters. So he's talking to the church. He's talking to the church in Galatia. And he says, we are called to be free call to be free. Now, we have seen the whole understanding, and as we journeyed in the last several weeks at the uh, Judaizer, uh, we're trying to keep the Galatians in bondage. And what they were saying, it wasn't all the Jewish people, it was just a band of people who thought that the Gentiles needed to come and become, you know, become uh, 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 become a Jew, a people of a Jewish culture with their rules and laws before they can come to Jesus. And so Paul said, no, no, hold on. It's not Jesus plus all of the rules and regulations. 
equals everything. It's just Jesus. And so we heard and saw over the last three weeks that we can't mess with the gospel message. The, the, the word of God, it says, and, and, and there's a reason for it, and I'm hoping today that we'd be able to actually go through this and understand why is it that when we're called to free, we're free to what? What is it that we're called? Why is it that we're free? And of course, we know that the word freedom is kind of slippery sometimes because we, we think sometimes it means that we are able to do whatever we want to do. And in light of what scripture says, we kind of know that what you sow, you do reap. And sometimes we're reaping a whole lot of things because we are either disobeying or just thinking that this doesn't apply to us. You know, when scripture gives us a, a command, God wants us to obey because he wants us to stay in that path of freedom. But so many times, because we don't trust him, we don't trust or know his ways, we find ourselves embracing things and only seeing later how much that choice or that decision has brought a lot of damage. We kind of understand that? Are we on the same page? All right. So, but the biblical, this is a quote, and I think it's from Tony Evans. I'm not too sure. It says, biblical freedom is liberty from illegitimate bondage so that you can enjoy the responsibilities of a new relationship with God and fulfill your divine ordained purpose. You know, we think it's about us being happy. Now, I think the result of us enjoying our relationship with God is joy and peace and strength and rest and all of those things. But I believe that sometimes we have an skewed understanding of what freedom is. He says here, we are not to use our freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh is what gets us into our messes. Don't we know that? You know, a lot of the time if we go, it's because we've given in to a flesh response to someone doing something to you. And instead of doing it God's way, you did it your way. You got anger. You withheld. You, you know, you, you, you weren't sympathetic. You became judgmental and critical. And all, that's not God's ways. And if we see how we live out, we kind of know we're not free. And yet... The Bible says we're called to be free. So what is it that we're missing? What is it? Well, a lot of times we are called not to actually give in to the desires of the flesh. You know, we're, not, we're called not to be a sin, a sin or chained to our own selfish desires. But isn't that our biggest fight? Isn't that the struggle that's within us? You know, the sinful nature that just wants to do what it wants to do when it wants to do it. And, and Jesus says to us, put it to death. Put on Jesus Christ. Put on the things that I've given you to walk in freedom. But a lot of times we think that we can do what we want to do and not get any consequences. And so Christ came to free us from this struggle. Now, the struggle will be there until we actually go to heaven, but I believe as we mature and grow in our understanding what it is to be in freedom, then we that struggle becomes not something that we are living on a daily basis. Really, truly, beloved, when we're stuck in sin, there's a difference between living in sin and, and actually experiencing a sin pattern. You know, because sometimes living is that you're making a willful choice to continue to do something that doesn't go along to God's heart. And because of it, you're not experiencing freedom. But sometimes we do have bad days and we embrace something and all of a sudden we get and we go, oh God, thank the Lord we have a covering. Thank the Lord that we don't have to be bound by all of this and get so down on ourselves that we can't move up and we can't look up. No, we, we heard yet last week that we're justified in Christ. He sees us. 
He sees us. And so in Galatians 5.1, the believers say that we are free in Christ. And he says this. This is what Paul says. It is for freedom that Christ sets us free. So he's actually said that he's going to free us. And so we need to understand what does it mean. Now, I've given you a handout. And I want you to keep this because we still have several weeks in this uh, series. Now, in your one body, the one body ministry, the group, we put in a video by Pastor Carter Conlon called New Covenant Plain and Simple. It is one minute and five, one minute, one hour and five minutes. I need you to go and see it because really, truly, he said it in that video. Pastor David, uh, David Wilkerson said the same thing. If we're going to experience freedom and ability to walk in power and authority, we will need to understand why is it that this is important that we understand that Christ has set us free. What has he set us free from? When you look at this whole page, it looks like a whole lot, but that is the whole message of the gospel of Jesus. The new covenant is the gospel. And it starts from the old and it brings us to the new. So I don't have time to do that for you today, but I can actually do it from the cross and on today and many other things in the weeks to come. So I wanted to give you this. So while you go and listen to that video, because you know the scripture says, if you seek me, Mona, with all your heart, you will find me what do I find the understanding of what Jesus did on the cross what he did at the burial and what he did when he rose again all of it I'm identified with it all of it the Bible says I'm in union with all of that truth but so many of us we still are identified with a lot of our bondage a lot of our darkness a lot of the past a lot of what we feel and the scripture says hey it was for freedom that Christ died for you so why is it God's people are so struggling so before Jesus died on the cross God's people lived under a detailed system of laws that served as a moral compass to guide their lives the law, while powerless to grant salvation or produce true freedom, nevertheless pointed the way to Jesus Christ. If you saw from history all throughout the Old Testament to the New Testament, it was a redemptive plan throughout the whole thing. Like Carter said, God was not caught in surprise when he saw what uh, Adam did. Uh, it was one of the things that I heard in one of the, the conferences I went to a few months ago where, you know, one rule, God asked one rule, one thing to Adam and Eve, one thing. He said, don't eat. Sin entered that day and we all fall short. Until God comes back with Jesus, then we can't actually be accepted or loved by God in any way. No, no self-effort. No, no, uh, I will do as much as I can. I'll work harder to get to God. No, our acceptance and love is only through the cross. It's only through God's love and grace. And so we're going to, you know, not go there today. But I just want to show you that through his sacrificial death, Jesus fulfilled the law, setting believers free from the law of sin and death. This is very, very pivotal because when we make mistakes, if we don't understand it, and then we get caught up with sin, confess, sin, confess, but never get free of it. And so we need to understand what happened at the cross. God's law are written in our hearts through the Spirit of God, and we are free to follow and serve Christ in ways that please and glorify him. Before the cross, it was an impossibility. In a nutshell, this is a definition of Christian freedom. It says, an important aspect of Christian freedom is our responsibility not to return to living under the law. 
This is what we were talking about, Jesus plus this and this and this. You know, we think that, you know, if I go and I look presentable and if I read my word and if I pray and if I try harder, this is going to get me accepted and it's going to help me to be saved. No, the only way we can get saved is through Jesus Christ, his sacrifice. The Apostle Paul compares this slavery when he says, Galatians 1.5, he says, it's for freedom you were. But he says, stand firm, he says on, on the other part, stand firm and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. What he's saying is that how they tried to get to God in the Old Testament, it was through a religious system that wasn't perfect. It wasn't good. So they would sin and they had to go through all the rituals and offering in order to be okay and cleanse and atoned one more time to start all over. With the new covenant, that changes. Continuing to live under the law after, uh, after salvation is merely a legal, legalistic form of religion. You see, I don't need to wear a scarf. I remember just uh, many, many years ago, I was asked to, to uh, preach a conference in Montreal in the church that I was there, were very legalistic. I did not know. Two things. They didn't like women speaking from the pulpit, and they certainly didn't like women wearing pants. I didn't know any of those two things. And so I'm coming in cheery and excited about what God could do. And I walked in, and my overseer went like this. <laughs> and I'm going, and then he, you know, he started talking to his wife, and she goes like this. And I'm like, well, I don't know what that's all about. So they... His wife, Nicole, brings me to the back room and whatever else. We get ready, and I go to uh, the preach. And it, there was a lot of resistance and everything else, but God came. Miraculously, he came, he touched, he moved people. You know, people were weeping. It was pretty amazing to find out after that, you know, I'm walking out of the conference, and I'm going out for dinner with our, our overseer, and he's laughing his head off. And I'm going, what is wrong with you? He says, if you only knew. If you only knew the cards were stacked against you before you started, but God came. And I went, yes, he did. Yes, he did. And so sometimes, you know, we get so legalistic about, you know, about the music or about what we eat and what we don't eat, what we wear and don't we. Hey, listen, it was for freedom that Christ set me free. You see, it's not what I eat or don't eat that becomes a stumbling block to me. Really, truly, it's about me understanding where is my freedom, freedom coming from? Where's my acceptance, my love, my ability to walk forward in power and in authority and change and transformation? It's all about the Holy Spirit who resides in me, not about what I do or don't do. Thank the Lord. But see, that was the old system. We're under the new covenant. And so here we need to understand that if we don't get this, then we're going to get stuck in that little picture in the corner, the treadmill. You were on it, and we're working that harder to, you know, to get accepted by God and to get right by God. And all we have to do is go back to the Holy Spirit. All we have to do is understand what God has done for us. You see, Christian freedom involves living not under the burdensome obligations of the law, but under God's grace. Amen. For sin shall, have, shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. This is what he says in Romans 6.14. In Christ, we are free from the law's oppressive system. We are free from the penalty of sin. We are free from the power of sin. We are free because Christ set us free and he wants us to experience this, but he also gives us these directions not to indulge in the flesh. Christian freedom is not license.
license to sin. You see, a lot of people say, well, I'm under grace, and then you go and do whatever you want. But the fact is, you know, the Holy Spirit could be in there, but I have to learn how to live and walk with him. I have to learn how to progressively, that's why lordship is so such an issue for our salvation. Not, not salvation, because we're saved. Nothing can change that. But the way we walk, we have to learn how to walk according to the Spirit. You see, he wasn't there before, but he's there now. And he says this, our verse in the series is Galatians 5.13. I've just read it. I'll read it again to you, the whole verse this time. But for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Who would have thought that freedom was about us walking together? Do you see how the enemy loves it to get you separate from the body? Because part of why God puts us together is that we keep each other accountable, do we not? Yes. Huh? Do we not say, hey, what is going on? So it's easy to walk alone because you have nobody talking to you about what you're doing. And it's, it's, that's an issue, isn't it? I'd rather have people around me to say, hey, listen, does that actually, that doesn't reflect God's heart. What's going on with you? You know, when I'm out, do you get those days, you know, you wake up and you're even scared of yourself? He's like, where did she come from? Well, that's my, you know, that's my nature beforehand. And I know that I don't have to continue to walk in her and I don't have to indulge her neither. Because at the cross, that sin and that dominion, the power was broken. So now I have a choice after the cross to say no to the evil desires that really wants to snap back at someone. Just let me have at it. <laughs> I thought you own one. Yeah, because I feel that one. And you, yeah, oh, I see the smile. Yes. Would you like to come and preach? No. All right. So we need to understand believers aren't free to sin, but we're free to live holy lives in Christ. The cross is all about in Christ, with Christ, through Christ. It's all about that. David Wilkerson says this. Many people are sincere as they walk their Christian life, but very few find freedom. They have prayed diligently, cried rivers of tears, sought counseling, and they always end up going back to the lies of the enemy that accuses them that they'll never get free. They always go back to past events, these traumatic events, these things, these moments that have defined their identity instead of their identity, their new identity in Christ. Going back to what is familiar when they are stressed, when they are anxious, when they are hurt, and they try to free themselves, do they not? When we withhold, when we self-preserve, who is trying to free us? We are. Because if we trusted God, we would never go to our means to protecting ourselves. But don't we do that? It's because we really don't understand what that nature does, what the sin does, what all of these things have, have happened at the cross when God says, I'm going to give you a new way to live. See, the end result when we do it, instead of being free with what Jesus has purchased for us at the cross, the end result is we walk in defeat, guilt, and failure. And, they, and we come to some conclusion sometimes when it's a repeated thing. And let me know if this is true. We come to a conclusion that we'll never be free from this sin or this situation and we'll never be pleasing to God. How many times do we fall 
listening to that, the enemy's voice. How many times, instead of getting back up and say, God, you know, I am justified. God, I am made alive and free in you. I am complete in you. I'm hidden in you. How many times do we use the word to fight against these things that we go through in our life? Our struggle is real, beloved. I know it and you know it. But so many times because we do not know where we stand, we don't know our standing in Christ, then we let the enemy come and do what he has to do. And you know what? That's why God is exposing our disbelief, these beliefs that don't line up to truth, and he's exposing our unbelief. This is the unwillingness when God says, this is what I say about you. This is it. Final. No moving. It's the final decision. God says you are loved. God says you are warmly welcomed. God says you are adopted. God says you are chosen, qualified, and called out. And when God says it, therefore it should be, isn't it? Isn't it? But when we do not know that we were called to freedom, what happens is we actually build a different, a different foundation that brings us right back into the old covenant. I'll try harder. We don't understand that that struggle really relies on the Holy Spirit to get us out. So he says, and he continues, he says, Paul describes this struggle in Romans 7. I wrote a quote, a person does what he hates with no power to do what is right. Now, if I have the power of Christ residing in me, why is it that I can't do what is right? He goes on, he says, they are unable to move into the spiritual freedom Paul outlines in Romans 8. And because of it, many of God's people resign themselves to the struggle for the rest of their life, feeling hopeless, being stuck on that treadmill of trying to be right and doing it in their own effort, sinning, confessing, sinning, confessing, never experiencing the freedom from the cross. Christian freedom is one of the many paradoxes of the Christian faith. According to Colossians 2.16, true freedom means willingly becoming a slave to Christ. And this happens through relationship. And I think, you know, the lordship being a slave, people don't like that word slave, but it really is a bond servant. That means I'm going to do the will of another. You know, when you get this here, it's not an issue to do the will of God when you know his heart. It's not an issue to do the will of his, of, his, of his ways and do it the way he wants when you understand he's for you, not against you. But many of us, we don't do his will, so we stay in bondage to unforgiveness, we stay in bondage to moral lust, we stay in bondage to anger, not understanding you could be free in an instant. There are times, like we said, Carter said, there are certain things that just get free right off the bat. Other things, you just got to work at it. You got to keep on sinking. You keep on saying, God, you can't break covenant. The Holy Spirit has been brought to me. He lives in me. He dwells. And now I'm going to learn how to live with him in this struggle. I'm going to learn how to walk with him. You kind of know that you can't walk without the word. The word of God is your guidepost. It's the lamp that is for your feet. And that's why the enemy loves it when we're spiritually lazy. He loves it. You are not a threat to him because we won't hear the voice. We won't hear the voice of God. And that's why we have to be actually doers of the word. It says here in uh, Colossians 2, Do not let anyone make rules for you about eating or drinking or about religious feasts or new moon festival or Sabbath day. These things were like a shadow of what was to come. But what is true and real has come, has come, and is found in Christ. 
In Romans 6, this is Paul explains that when a believer accepts Christ, he or she is baptized by the Spirit into Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And at that moment, the believer ceases to be a slave to sin and becomes a servant to righteousness. At that very moment, now we have to figure out how to live and walk, but that's why lordship is so important. Being under the rule, being identified with something else in the moment of salvation. At that moment, the believer ceases to actually be enslaved. So we can have moments of being caught, but it won't be our pattern because we have the nature, the divine nature in us. He says in Romans 6, 17, 18, but thanks be to God that you were once slaves to sin. See, I'm not making this up. You were once slave to sin and have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin, have become now slaves of righteousness. You see, I think obedient from the heart is that, you know, when we come to the cross and that immediate thing happens, that means we have a new identity. It's established. I am a child of God. I am a royal priestess. I am wonderfully made. And God has a plan and a purpose for me. And even if I slip up, I'm still wonderfully made. And even though I just goof up, oh, God still loves me. And he still, he still, I could trip up on those things. But ultimately, if I go back to the truth that the standard has already been given us, the Holy Spirit, because he's given us a new heart, that new heart, it gives us the ability to, be, to please God. You see, at salvation, you got a new identity, new heart to please God, a new mind to actually be, be in, in accordance to the will of God, which is the word of God. He gives us a new family, a new divine spirit, and he gives us a measure of faith. He never left us to, in, in our hands to do it. He said, I'm going to give you everything. This is how much God loved us. He even gave us the gift of faith. Without his faith, then we have faith for faith, which I'm going to show you that in a few minutes. Sometimes we just have faith because, oh, well, you know, I go to church, I do that. But there's no power behind that faith. The gift of faith that's given to you at salvation is totally different. Biblical faith is totally different. But in any goes on, going back to that, that, that whole illustration, as a Christian, we should be experiencing true freedom. This is what he says in John 8, 36. If the Son sets you free, let's say it again. If the Son sets you free, so why is it that so many of God's people rarely experience freedom or struggle to keep their freedom? Why is it? I think it has to do with what we have identified with. We still identify with our, our pain, our emotions, our sin from the past. We still identify with it more than we identify with what happened to us at the cross, the moment we said yes to Jesus. Charles Stanley says this, living the Christian life does not mean that we just try to do our best. Rather, to live the Christian life means that we allow Jesus Christ to live in and through us by faith. And how does he do that? by the Holy Spirit. It's the allowing that we have issues with, beloved, because that means we have to let go of control. And we don't want to. I get it. Control is about us keeping everything in order so that we can be safe. And how is that working for you? 
Really, truly, you have to sleep, you have to eat, you have down days, bad days. I wouldn't want to count on myself. But that's what we do. See, many Christians today seem content to live what they think is an adequate Christian life. They believe that if they go to church and read their Bible and occasionally they say prayers once in a while and and they'll be right with God. Well, Charles Stanley says this, he continues, he says, though they go through the emotions of being a good Christian, they do not enjoy the power, peace, or joy that should come with the abundant life Jesus promised in John 10.10. It's a promise, beloved, he can't break it. If through Jesus we're free, and he says, I'm going to give you life and more abundantly. The life that he gives you is the life of Christ, the life of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. Our job now is to let us walk, live with him and to walk with him. We live and we identify with a whole lot of things because we still want to be in charge. But when we start identifying and living under the rule of Christ and his word and letting the Holy Spirit move in us and through us, beloved, freedom comes. It comes. Eventually, the counterfeit Christian life they are living becomes a burden and does not comfort them in times of need, nor does it keep them in times of trials. God does not call you or any believer to a marginal Christian life characterized by chores and rituals. He did not call you to do that. He called you to believe. He called you to believe, trust, and rely. He desires to have a daily relationship with you where you experience his presence, the truth of him in regards to wisdom, courage, strength in all situations. He wants you to experience step-by-step, decision-by-decision, conversation-by-conversation, thoughts, everything. All the God wants to do is he wants you to experience his presence, and he wants to glorify himself through you. Does that sound like a God that is against you? He wants to give you all. He desires to shine in your life, to shine his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness, his gentleness, his self-control that illuminates all parts of your talents and giftings and traits and personality as you walk in obedience. Obedience has nothing to do about salvation. It has everything to do about the impact of our life. Many of us have no impact because we are still stuck in the old system thinking that we have to obey in order to be saved, in order to be accepted and loved, or all that. No, obedience is really about us experiencing the presence and the power of God here before we go to to heaven. So how do you allow Jesus to do this? In what way does he live and in and through you? If these questions seem difficult... And confusing to you, they are. Many people never realize how powerful Christ could demonstrate his life through them. I think this is what's missing. We have the same power that rose Christ from the dead. I don't know how many times you heard it from this pulpit. The same power, and it says the same power to cleanse us, the same power to heal us, the same power to restore us, the same power to identify us, the same power to strengthen and transform us. This is in us. 
And now we have to learn to identify with him. And the only way we can do that is obviously with the word of God and letting him do what he wants to do in our lives. But trust is an issue, isn't it? And if trust is an issue, then the surrender will be an issue as well. You will surrender to other things, but not to the path that he has put before you. So many believers... They think that it's about activity. It's about serving. All those things are good, but it's not that that brings me power or authority. All of those things are just evidence that I'm letting Jesus rule. It's just evidence. If I'm able to love and to serve and to do things as unto the Lord, then it is because of the power of another. This is not the woman. It is the presence of God. When we know this, it's really about relationship. Do and are we permitting the life of Christ in us to have his way? We cannot have this, this unless we are born again. That's why the cross has to be there. When one is saved and is born again, you're spiritually renewed and is now a child of God by right, and this is what we call the new birth. Trusting in Jesus Christ uh, the one who paid the penalty of sin when he died on the cross, it means that we're born again. That's what he says in Ephesians 2. And you he, and you he made alive who is de- uh, dead in trespasses and sin. Romans 3.23, for all have sin and fall short of the glory of God. Sinners are spiritually dead when they receive spiritual life through faith in Christ. You see, I was dead before the cross. My spirit could not commune. I could go to church seven days a week. It wouldn't matter. I needed my spirit to be awakened and quickened so that I can commune. But I also needed the Holy Spirit in order for me to enter in the presence. And so why now we have those two, we can, we can. Galatians says in 4, uh, 4 and 5, it says, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy what? Freedom for us who were what? Slave to the sin, so that to law, so that he could adopt us as his very own. Why is it that when we are struggling, we don't remember we belong to someone? We forget who's over us. Paul does it when, uh, Paul understands this. And he says to us, I've been crucified with Christ and it 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 is, I am no longer alive. It means Jesus was crucified and I was crucified as well. At the cross, Jesus defeated your sin, my sin, defeated my self-life, defeated the devil, all right? He defeated all of them. Sin, self, the devil was crucified with, with Christ. Not only that, when I died with Christ, I got resurrected life. That's why it's not just about forgiveness, beloved. It's not just about justification. It's not just about the power and dominion of the sinful nature that has been broken. It's present, but it's powerless. So why are we bowing the knee to the wrong ways? It's because I, I don't see us. I, you know, I always think, you know, why in the world do I do that? It always comes back down to, oh, hold on. I have a choice. I don't have to bow down to the anger. I don't have to bow down to the path of bitterness. I don't have to bow down to unforgiveness. I don't have to bow down to the fear that comes up when I'm faced with some situation. I don't have to bow down to this. 
And so that, Romans uh, 6.11 says, so you also should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. I'm alive. The, the new life of the Spirit, we have now the resurrected power flowing in our veins. If we knew this, would we actually bow down to the fear that so surprises us and ensnares us on a daily basis? If we knew the resurrection power was flowing through our veins today, would we tolerate sin of others? Would we not be willing to love them enough to tell them the truth? When we knew the resurrection power was within us, would we not let go of things that are childish things that keep us so in bondage that we would say, God, from this moment on, I am going to walk, live and walk with you. Teach me how to do this. Show me in your word. How do I break this sinful pattern? Because I am not settling for it. The power of resurrected life is in you and in me. Amen. At the cross, the self-life was severed. Now we have the power to say no. So all of us who don't say no to the self-life, it's because you like it. But if you stay there, you will never get free. And don't come and tell me that God is not answering, because he already did. And I think there's a time and there's a moment at this particular junction in our life because of all that's coming that we need to know our standing in Christ. We need to understand that even know that our state is not yet all. Paul said to say, I have not yet attained it, but I run the race. I go forward to the utmost calling of Christ. So we need to go forward. We need to get up and say, God, no, the resurrection life is in me. The power is in me. I'm going to go forward. Now I have a choice. I always did after the cross. It would be a willingness not to actually do it. Crucified with Christ, alive with Christ. It means the end of me as a sinner in God's sight. The end of me as a sinner. That means I am justified, as I said last week. It means the end of me as a person seeking to merit and earn my salvation, to prove to God that I'm worthy enough to be loved by him. No, it means the end of condemnation. You see, remember, the penalty and the debt was paid. And so I don't have to walk in condemnation anymore. It means the end of the power and dominion of sin. So when I'm presented with temptation, I do have a choice. To be like what I was or to be like who I am. And that is in Christ. Romans 6.14 says, don't be instruments of unrighteousness. We see it all over scripture, beloved. And that's where surrender, surrendering to the authority of God's word is key. This is what it means to stand in our position in Christ or our standing in Christ. Relationship with God is already established, it's settled, and it's settled because the work has been finished. And so how do we align our state, our condition, the way we live here on earth? How do we align it? Well, remember what I said a few weeks ago? I gave you the quote. We are transformed at the cross. We were transformed and new life. The power of the resurrected life was put into us. And that's why he says in 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ, if is a decision. First, you have to make a decision to give your life to God. Through Jesus, not only as Savior, but as Lord. And then he says, we are being transformed. He says, all is gone and new is here. That means the Holy Spirit, his job is to transform us into the image of Christ. He won't ever stop 
Have you ever sensed just a pursuing from the Holy Spirit? Who's ever sensed that? You know, you, you go to rest and all of a sudden you go, oh my goodness. You know, just like, well, that's his job. And when, you know, have you ever been exposed to something like an attitude, a heart issue, a habit? Then you should go, hallelujah, because the Holy Spirit is alive and well in you. It's when you don't see it that you should say, is there something wrong with me? Because really, truly, have we diminished his voice so much that we can't hear him anymore? Because we can't. That's what unbelief does. It crushes. It makes our heart hard. And so there's, this is where the life of the Spirit comes into play. Galatians 5.25. I'm coming to an end. It says here, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Key. Be assured, beloved, we are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. So when you are going through a whole bunch of things and you're seeing your darkness and your, your foolishness, don't let the enemy say, oh, the Holy Spirit can't stay with you. You're not a good vessel. I am sore, but he's changing house. No, 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 no. Once you've done it at the cross, he comes and he dwells. Now, how, how effective he is in your life, that all depends on how much you are yielding, what you're yielding to. All right, so the impact is all about my impact. So Ephesians 1 says he is deposited to you. It's a guarantee of the inheritance of freedom. How do I get my freedom? Not in my own strength. I get it through the Spirit. So where am I blocking him? We know that we can grieve and quench the Spirit. And while our relationship in God is secure in Christ, unconfessed sin in our lives can hinder our fellowship, our state, with God and effectively quench the Holy Spirit working in us. So let me ask you, do you have unconfessed sin? Are you dealing with issues that you know God has showed you week after week after week? week? That's unconfessed, beloved. And if you want to have your fellowship immediately restored, you have to actually confess it. You have to agree with God. God, this is what I've done. And as a matter of fact, as the weeks go on, you're going to understand that God is going to do two things in you. First, he's, in order for you to be free, he's going to actually going to bring you to that place that you want to be free. So how many of you have been struggling and you're crying out to God, God, I want to be free? How many hands? Are you looking around, guys? It's not just one or two. Many of us, we want to be free. But the second thing he has to do first before freedom comes is we have to realize the depths of our wickedness. We have to realize our sin. See, we make excuses for our sin. You know, beloved, you can, but you won't experience the power of freedom if you do. You have to actually see it the way God sees it. And every time I see it the way God sees it, he doesn't bring the hammer down on me. I feel loved. I feel covered. I feel free. Because he says, that is why my son died for you. So even though you have issues in your heart, you have issues loving someone or, or you hate someone or whatever, don't worry, I'm on the scene. You just be real with it. Just call it for what it is. And that's what he does. Every time I call it for what it is, he just comes. He does what he does. And I keep on walking until I experience the freedom. While the Spirit never leaves us, the benefits of joy, of his presence, and and the impact of our life can be diminished. Some of us have no peace. Some of us have no joy. Some of us are struggling. Could it be that there are areas in your life you never really recognize that that resurrection life, the power that's in you, can break this in you? Pastor Conlon, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. He says, the Holy Spirit's responsibility is to bring our state, our condition here on earth, 
our struggle to the place of where the standing is, our standing in Christ. It's already settled, established. It's already a finished work. Paul has learned to identify himself as being in union with Christ. He's alive. He's complete. He was learning now to trust it day by day. He was living according to the new life. Most of us were still living according to our, new, our, old, our old life. You know, we have a brother here who has struggled with addiction. And so a lot of times, and it's not just him, because addiction could be more than just substance abuse. You understand that. Now, many of us were addicted to our entertainment. We're addicted to Facebook. We're addicted to a whole lot of things. Um, and sometimes we make it about the addiction. And I, all I've been doing with this young fella, and not just him, there's many others, I keep on bringing them back to the cross. Because it's, you know, because they fear that they will never get free. And I went, it's an impossibility. The resurre resurrected power is in you. So I'm not going to tell him about his identity of what he was before. I don't have to because the enemy does a good job of that. But I am going to always remind him of who he is in Christ. Because when he knows this, when the enemy comes, you go, stop right there. I'm a new creation. The old has come and the new is here. So now they walk. They walk. He died for me so that from now on, I might be able to live his life in me. Hallelujah. David Wilkerson says this. I want you to hear this. God is not looking for people who have everything theologically straight. He wants those whose hearts are full of confidence in him. That's the key. We are to stay in Christ. We are to abide in him. We are to trust him. And if there's any areas in my life where I have issues of trusting him, you know, beloved, I just go back to the word, I confess it. I say, God, give me, give me something that I can meditate on because I'm not staying at this address because now I don't have to. I don't have to. If we do this, we will surely see his glory, his freedom manifested in our life. I believe that we're so stuck with our sin that we don't realize the freedom is already there. Like I said, freedom doesn't give us license to stay where we are. God will expose it, not to punish, but to set free. Amen. So if he's exposing things in your life, beloved, it's a hallelujah moment. Amen. I don't get down. I go up. I go up. Oh, God, what did you want me to do? How do I live and line my life to your word now? Because this is how Mona used to do it. This is how she sometimes still does it. But this is how you say to do it. Put off and put on what I gave you from the cross and from the resurrection. Put off, put on. And when I clothe myself in Christ, I experience freedom no matter what's happening in my life. That is the power of the cross and the resurrection. Do you understand the beauty of that? Did you get it today? I can't. 
I can't do it all in 45 minutes, really. I would need hours. I love the whole illustration of Peter and Paul, you know, preaching all night. I feel for it. I love the Word of God. But we can know and be in agreement with the Word, but it doesn't mean we trust it. If you want to know if you trust it, then ask yourself, what do you identify with when things happen? Your own wisdom? your own excuses and justification? Or do you say, God, you know, you've already showed me this. I'm not going there. And I just actually put a stop to it. I'm going forward. I'm going, I'm going to leave it in your hands. Going forward, going forward. And as months go on, I recognize I don't have the attitude anymore. I don't have the feeling anymore. And all I know is my eyes are clear. I can see. Don't give God is on the move. He's doing something, and he's drawing you to him. And when he says, draw near to me with all your heart, and I will draw near to you, that means he's going to make this real to you. He has something for you, beloved. So as we sing resurrected power tonight, today, come, pray, ask God. If there's things that God has been showing you now, you realize you got the resurrected life in you and uh, you've been hindering that life because you got in the way, get out of the way. Repent and turn back to God. Believe again. That's it. That's as simple as it. Repent and turn back to God. Let me do it again. Let me get up again. Amen.